Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. So, so we're going to start off. So, we, again, we're finding the gifts in the two places uh, today, actually. The gifts of administration, leadership, and serving. Uh, serving and leadership is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, and then... Uh, the last one that we're going to talk about, administration, that's actually in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So we're kind of um, going to go into those two, two things. So uh, Romans chapter uh, 12, 12 verse, verse 8, verse 7, I'm sorry. Um, and let me just kind of so that we have the, the whole thing. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do cheerfully. So again, these are... um, those spiritual gifts that we have been talking about, we already covered some of them. But again, it's all these gifts given to us to grace. It's, it's a grace to us. We, we've been talking about that a lot. We're calling those gifts are actually graces. Sometimes we have a gift not because we're so special, because we're lacking. <laughs> we're lacking so much that God wants to give graces with this gift for us because we're lacking that in our lives, in our personal lives. Uh, so... The, it's even in the verses right here it talks about that it's grace given us it's, it's something that that God just totally gives us without anything that we can do it's not because we're something special it's not because of our natural gifts it's, it's just his, his grace upon us to, to give, give this um, gift and the first one that we're going to talk about is serving uh, it, it, talks, it talks about here, if it is servant, let him serve. I, I like it. It's very simplicity. <laughs> if your gift is servant, serve. Okay, don't make it too complicated. But I love where, where that word serving, and just, just so we don't skip it, serving, there's also another gift called helping. And that's found in the First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. When we read that verse, we'll see it. But it's, it's the same kind of translation, same idea, helping and serving. It's it's Overlaps. overlapses very much, but I love where this word serving comes from, right? Um, because when you look at it, if you think about serving, it's I don't think a lot of people look at it as a gift. Like people want prophecy and apostleship, evangelism. They want those gifts, you know. Speaking in tongues, we talked about it last time. Um, but serving, they're like, I don't want to. Like, what do you mean? It's a, I feel like it's something I have to do instead of that it's a gift or a grace upon, that God has given me to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is definitely a gift of, of service. And uh, the word um, in the, that talks about serving is actually co- comes from uh, when I was looking it up. And I'm, uh, it talks about kind of way tables like serving they talked about giving a uh, serving the tables or weighing on tables right so as soon as i heard this i was like wait i've heard this before 
And I, I was reminded in Acts chapter 6 when uh, apostles, apostles had to choose uh, people that was going to be separated from them into leadership position. And I want to read the, this chapter, a couple of these verses, uh, because I think it's powerful. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to start in the beginning. It says, In those days when numbers of disciples was increasing, so there's growth in the church, which is a good thing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So there was, of course, there's always a problem. The church, church starts, church starts to grow, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So the 12 gathered, the, the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So that was the word that kind of clicks. And when I saw the transition of survey, uh, translation of survey, it says waiting on tables. I'm like, wait, I heard this before. So here apostles are actually talking about this way uh, waiting on tables. And I was very uh, beforehand when I was read this scripture, I was always confused. Why did they pick that? <laughs> like, did they, were they actually waiting on tables like they need? But it was, it was the serving part. Uh, bro- brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they propose, the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose uh, seven men out of those things. Uh, and uh, uh, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the one thing that jumps on me all the time when I read this, how important this position in the church is. It wasn't get some seven schmucks that just wanna clean the bathroom. It was like find somebody who are full of the spirit and then when they, um, and when they brought them, the, the seven that was chosen, they, the apostles, they prayed for them, they laid hands on them that was the powerful thing. So it's not when you have a gift of servanthood, it's not just something that I can pick up lots of chairs and I can clean really well. You know, sometimes we have that small vision of serving in a church mm-hmm. or having the gift of servanthood. But this is so much more. It is an anointed. You're anointed to serve. You're gifted to serve. There's so much more. Um, and hopefully in leadership, just like these apostles, they saw the, the worth of you because they're like, mm-hmm. one, we need them. Number two, they need to be full of the spirit. And three, we want to lay hands and pray for them because we know that the, the, the job is big. Mm-hmm. And it shows, and there's a fruit right away. So the word of God spread, number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to their faith. So there's... There was a problem. They figured out a solution. They brought people who were, who were filled with the Spirit, servants filled with the Spirit. They laid hands on them, and now were, the Word of God is being spread better, and disciple, more disciples are being increased to the kingdom of God. So you see the importance of, 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 of this gift, of having this gift, you know, because... Um, Again, people don't realize how important it is. And the, the big thing about this gift is it's very, you need to have humility 
if you have this gift. You need to have absolute humility because it is the behind the scene kind of deal. It is, and it says, we need somebody to bring somebody. So the 12 said, we, we should not neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table, table. So when we have people who are servants, people who are there to do the things that need to be done to fill in the holes and everything else in the church, in the kingdom, in the ministry, wherever it is, in the community, then the people who are gifted in apostleship and evangelism and, and, uh, and things like that, they get to do the things that they need to do and not worry about the other things. And they can stand up and they can preach and 3,000 people can come to the Lord. But the only reason they were able to stand up and preach for, to 3,000 is because the, those servants were there to, to be able to fill all the cracks up so that way it was all ready to go. So this is such a huge, huge um, position. And Paul takes it very seriously, too. There's two uh, passages that talk about who should look like that. And we've been using the word servanthood, but the actual word, uh, what is the actual word? Diakonos, which means was where we get the title for a deacon. Oh. So when the deacons are one of the few offices that are actually mentioned in Scripture, mm-hmm. there's the office of deacon and there's the office of overseer, and they're somewhat interchangeable. So deacons were often elders they were seen to have wisdom they walked with grace they had humility and just like all the other gifts that we've mentioned that god gives the gifts in order to accomplish a purpose mm-hmm. and you mentioned it already that that god will give you the gift of service uh, because he's trying to cultivate humility within mm-hmm. you so each gift you know you might receive the gift of prophecy because you're a people pleaser and the, that gift challenges you to be able to speak the word of God and to speak a truth that's uncomfortable that people may not like or receive. And God is trying to build up a courage within you to please God alone and not men. So as you go through the, through the different gifts, each gift cultivates some sort of fruit of the spirit. Cause again, we don't want to overshadow. We taught the fruit of the spirit several months ago. The fruit of the spirit are our, our ultimate goal. The gifts are not our ultimate goal. The gifts are a tool that God gives us in order to accomplish the fruit of the spirit in us to, to cultivate us towards maturity. So each gift that we receive should be cultivating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So when we look at the gift of service, um, the, the word diakonos, which means to serve or to wait on tables, as my husband mentioned, um, it was a specific type of service. There was a, almost like a slave. It was a very degrading title, but it became a title of honor within the first century church because mm-hmm. the, the, Jesus challenged his own disciples, and he said that the one who, is le- who wants to be greatest among you must become like a servant to all, must be the least, right? And so the, the title of deacon became a title of honor within the early church, and it was not reserved only for men, but we see in Romans chapter 16, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, a deacon of the church in Sanchira. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. So we don't know a whole lot about Phoebe, but we know that she obviously had the gift of, of service, and she was considered, it was, it was not only a, a spiritual gift, but it was, a, it was an honorary title mm-hmm. to have within the church. So there were the apostles, and then there were deacons. Um, those who were the servants who supported the ministry of apostles. And we already covered apostleship and what an apostle does and the preaching and teaching and, um, and the planting of churches and all of that. 
Um, but a deacon was meant to create a supportive network underneath the apostles, underneath the pastors, to help carry out the ministry and to make sure that there was order in the church and to make sure that the needs of the people were being met. Yeah, and the, as soon as when we were studying this, preparing for this, the visitation deacon came to my mind. How important that is, because especially in the church, it's hard for the pastor to meet to go to the hospitals and do the funerals and go to just people's houses just to make sure and check on them but that's the deacon's job and they come on behalf of the church and remind people that you're loved that you're cared for that you're not alone so that way the pastor can focus on the things that he needs to do in his position to his gifting i i was listening to a pastor um and he was like, my, my, my gifts, I know my gifts. He's like, my gifts are teaching, prophesizing, uh, and something else. He's like, my gift is not counseling. He's like, so when people walk in, my, people from my church walks in and they're like, man, I need a counsel. He's like, I'll send you to a place, to a person who's gifted with counseling. He's like, because I, one, I would not do well for you because that's not my gift. And two, I have other things that I need to do that God has called me. And I know it sounds really harsh. But it's, he knows the best way he can serve mm-hmm. the, the people in their church is by sending them to a person who's gifted right. into that. So it's, it's one of those things that there's a chance that the pastor is not very gifted at going to hospitals and be, being at the bedside. Mm-hmm. But a deacon who's been full of the spirit and called and gifted to be a servant would be a good person to go and do hospital visits or go to funerals and things like that. So it's just walking in your, in your spiritual gift and staying in the lane of your, of, of your gift. Mm-hmm. Like, can, can a pastor still go to the hospital and love on people? Yes, but, you know, there's other things. Especially that, as the church grows, it becomes ever more important. Not that one role is better than another, equally important, but they, we have limitations and we need each other within the church. And so there's certain people who have that gift and, you know, they can come into a hospital setting, for example, and they can sit for an hour and they have a certain level of patience and compassion mm-hmm. and they have a comforting presence where someone else may not have that same, you know, spirit. Yeah, I, I think like imagining um, somebody who's sick and their pastor walked in, I feel like the whole mood would change. It would not be like, oh, I'm hurting. It would be like, oh, pastor... Everything good, good. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, like I feel like people would not even be able to rest if a pastor would walk in. I feel like they would have to turn on their spiritual mask and like, oh, everything's good. Yeah. Praise God. That can happen. You know what I mean? It's not it's not it's not always the case. But you know what I mean? Like, but when somebody comes in like a deacon, it's I feel like it's a more of a relaxed. And again, it's I'm not taking away from pastors. Pastors can't do that. It's just I feel like. There's different roles for different things. But uh, you mentioned something about um, who's the greatest and everything. I don't want to skip the, the great story because, again, it talks about waiting tables. So I'm excited about it. So in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, um, so this is what Trish started talking about. Also a dispute arose among them, apostles, as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, and this is my, my verse, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? 
Is it not the one who's at the table? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And this is, this is at the same time as, as the, the Passover dinner, as the same time as Jesus was washing the, the apostles' feet. And he's reminding them the greatest is the servant. So we have to put that, put that in our mindset as we're, as we're praying for God for, for showing us our gifts. And, and when we are walking with this gift of the service, that we would not look at it as something that is a negative thing. It's like, oh, I'm a servant. I got to do this. No, it's, it's a blessing. God turned this earth right side up and said the, the servants are the ones who are the, the greater. So we need to walk with that. We need to own that. We need to be excited about that, 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 that opportunity. And again, reminded that we are all body of Christ. We cannot, nobody is more special than the other. We all need each other. There's no way for, for anything to happen without the whole body, right? Amen. So with that, we can get into the next, which is leadership. Uh, because again, their service and leadership are tied very close together. There's even you know books that have been written about servant leadership. It's an entire leadership style um, that leading is not something that you do with an authority that you um, control or manipulate or govern down, but that you lead, especially within the church, through serving. Um, that you see leadership as a supportive role where you're calling out the gifts of the church and you're supporting. Uh, people to grow towards maturity rather than ordering people around. Mm-hmm. And I think a great example of this is actually in Exodus chapter 32. Uh, the people committed a great sin, and it says here in verse 31, um, Moses sets this great example for leadership, and he says, So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what great sin these people have committed. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And the Lord replied, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Uh, Lead the people out to the place I have spoke of. My angel will go before you. When the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And, but what we see here is that Moses is interceding for the people. And that's what a leader should do is that they don't sit there and take the credit for the good and then blame the people for when things go bad. He actually says, let their blot me out of your book. Let me take the punishment for their sin. And God, of course, says that that's not possible, that each person will be held accountable for their own sin. And you see in chapter 33, he intercedes for them again, where he, God is sending them, but he says that he's, his presence is not going to go with them. And he, and he pleads for the Lord and says, don't send us up from here unless you come with us, right? So he's, he's interceding not only on behalf of the people and their sin, but he's interceding that the presence of the Lord would be present with the people. And I think those are two of the most important Roles that a leader in the church, someone who has the gift of leadership, um, should exemplify. You, you lead uh, by your example and that what you say and what you do line up. And he, he intercedes for them in their sin and he ushers in the presence of God. And I think that the, in the church, um, this is a great example of how we should lead. That we should be interceding, um, that the Lord would have grace and mercy on the church and that his presence would also be with us. Um, those are the two most important things that a leader should do as exemplify according to what we see in the example of Moses. Yeah, I, one of the key things the, that leadership has that their success is not about 
how well they're doing, their success is about how well the people they're leading doing. Like if, I, if I'm leading in a church, my success is not how well I preach or whatever else, it's how close the people in, in the church are getting to God. How are they, their lives changing? How much uh, they're walking in the gifts? Mm-hmm. That's, that's my goal in the, in the spiritual realm of well, leadership is us pushing towards God. That's not, it's not about me. It's not how well I'm close. It's not how close I'm to God. I mean, it helps, of course. But that's not the success. So that's the leadership. And the other thing, uh, you, you kind of mentioned with uh, Moses, Dave, David came to, to my mind. Now, this, this one is a kind of two-sided thing. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, it's the, it's the last chapter of Samuel. Um, and David screwed up. He sinned against God once, once again. And he asked for forgiveness and everything else. And God says, hey, we can do two things. Um, there could be famine in, 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 the, in the Israel, or you can be uh, banished for three months and this or that, and, and, and you'll be chased by men. And, and so he's like, well, I know I'm guilty. I know that and everything else, but please don't let me be captured by men. So the, the bad thing is comes in and there's a plague that comes upon Israel and people are starting to die. And verse 17, David finally remembers who he is. He says, when David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. So all of a sudden he's repented. He sees the wrongs that he has done. And he, he as a leader, as a godly leader, he's like, let me sacrifice on their behalf. I know, I know it was my fault at the beginning, and I was wrong. And now I see that something's wrong. Let me, let me carry um, the burden. Let me carry the punishment on myself and not them, because they're, they're just like sheep. They're the ones who follow me. I'm supposed to be their leader. I'm supposed to be their shepherd. Uh, it should not be because of me. Uh, so it's, to, me, it's, it's, to me, it's a very powerful words that he's, he's saying. Um, this last thing is what have they done so when something happens in the church and there's stuff happening we as leaders need to pause those who are gifted with leadership has to pause and say what have I done why if, if there's something going on in my church or in my community or in my ministry what is what 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 did I do wrong that led them into that place that take responsibility, t- take responsibility that they're not getting closer to God Something I'm doing. We cannot be just, well, well, they're not coming to church and they're not tithing enough and they're not worshiping loud enough, whatever. No, it's like what as a leader I have to do. And that's the heart of the leadership is, is being able, again, take ownership of and find, find only success in how well the people you're over doing. Uh, I think that's, that's a really important thing. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, I'm thinking as a coach, I'm like, man, when my team is messing up, I'm like, all right, what am I doing wrong? Exactly. So as a leader, the most important thing that we 
do, which again is often lost. People think, oh, oh I'm a leader. I get to order people around or I get to no. tell people what to do. I get to pass off responsibility on others, but it's not. When you lead, that means that people are following you. They're following your behavior. They're following your actions. They're following your character. Mm-hmm. Um, they're watching what you say. They're watching what you do, and they're making sure that there's integrity. In Titus 1, verse 7 through 9, it says this, An overseer is entrusted with God's work. And this is important. It says, He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. He must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This is These are high high standards for someone who wants to be a leader within the church, someone who's been gifted in leadership to realize that you have to exemplify what you have to practice, what you preach and you have to be held to a higher standard. It says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So someone who has the gift of leadership has to be willing to sacrifice and to live to a higher standard than what the rest of the congregation may be settling for um, in order to set an example in behavior, in life, and in character of what God is calling them to teach. I think the biggest thing for me in that verse is verse 9, when it says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught so so they can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who opposes it. Like, I feel like it's such an important thing. Like, as leadership, we need to know the word. We need to know what we're doing and we need to know what's guiding us. So and when we hear something's being spoken to this preaching that's not Jesus and Jesus crucified and resurrected, then we need to say something. There, there's got to be something that it's up to us. But, and exactly what, what I said, like if, if, our, if somebody in our church is sinning, some of our church is confused, that's on us. We should. Um, reject that we should rebuke that we should correct that in, in that in way love, because yeah. we know it we have first of all we need to know it it's like what you were saying that in seminary less than half of people have read the bible cover to cover and yet they're teaching it and for, a they're living. Teaching for a living it's a very you know? sobering sobering reality so we need to know this if you're a leadership and i mean it's it's in anything like if I if I'm a, if I'm a math teacher and I don't know math, I'm not gonna be able to teach. I'm not gonna just like yeah, just figure it out. You know, it's it's in in the kingdom of God, we should take this even more serious than teaching kids how to add. They're not never gonna use calculus anyways. Imaginary numbers is still an understanding. <laughs> imaginary numbers. They're, They're not imaginary. even real. They're not even real. <laughs> what is the point? Amen. <laughs> so the last gift that we are looking at is administration. Yeah, and let, let me read that one because we didn't read that, that verse. So I want to just re- reread it again. We've read it when we looked at uh, the different um, gifts. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll start at verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others. So that's the helping and serving. That's where they talk about. Those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kind of tongues. And then they go through it. But so this is where they talk about the gifts of administration right there. Uh, right between uh, helping others and speaking in tongues, which is interesting. Uh, 
So administration doesn't sound like another fun. <laughs> Honestly, it's like I'm thinking of clerk right away as soon as I think of administration. But it's one of those things. It's still leadership. Only leader. When we talk about gift of leadership, it's very people oriented. Administration is very much goal and task oriented. So that's what. But these are the gifts. These are the people who are so needed in a, in the church and or any organization. You need somebody who's goal and task uh, driven and actually. Um, if you're a people driven, then you become a people per, a pleaser. And then sometimes the goals and tasks get changed because of the people. If you're not, if you're not gifted in, <laughs> in the actual administration. Right. So a good example of someone who was an administrator, uh, we see, uh, well, there's Daniel, but we're going to look at actually Joseph. So, uh, Joseph, when mm-hmm. he is called to Pharaoh, he not only is, has the Holy Spirit allows him to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, which is a gift in and of itself, but the Lord gives him the gift of administration and he gives him a plan to share with Pharaoh. And it says, this is in Genesis 41 verses 33. It says, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all of the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held and reserved for the country to be used during seven years of famine that may come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? And so this is just a really clear example of how the Lord gave Joseph, the gift of administration, and in having a plan of how to prepare for famine and how to administer the, I mean, again, this is very task oriented, but it ultimately, the tasks are important because it ultimately, the the way that they oversaw the distribution of food and the storage of the food saved many lives. It saved the entire country, in fact. And because of this gift of administration, because the Lord gave him a plan, um, not only did he just give an interpretation of a dream, but he actually said, here's the problem. Here's what you should do about here's it. Solution, so he, yeah. he came up not only with the, the interpretation of the dream of what was going to happen, but he came up with a possible solution for Pharaoh. And in, in response, Pharaoh recognizes the spirit of God is on him. Mm-hmm. And so the gift of administration is very clearly a, a gift that is given by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to allow us with wisdom. You know, he says... The, the, the Pharaoh should look for a discerning and wise man. And so we already talked about the gift of discernment last week um, or last time we were together. But the gift of administration in taking the tasks, taking a very large scale problem and being able to break it down into steps and strategies to overcome. You know, every church, every organization is going to face problems. They're going to face administrative problems. And you need someone who is, has the gift of administration who can tackle that problem and break it into bite-sized strategies that allow the church to push through hard times um, or even in good times, right? The pro- the pro- there were years of prosperity too, and there was wisdom about what to do with finances, what to do with resources. And the reality is, is uh, you know, in a lot of churches, the, we, we don't think as much because it doesn't seem as holy to talk about the, finance, you know, the church finances, but administration is one of finances is one of the key areas where the enemy gets 
into the church and causes division. I mean, even look at Jesus' ministry. Where did the enemy attack? He came after Judas, who was the one in charge of the purse. Mm -hmm. He was the one who was the keeper of the money. And so we need men and women of God who have the gift of administration to be looking over the church's finances, to be stewarding the church's resources, and to help the church to navigate through both times of prosperity and times of struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love that story and just how how important is and like even the story itself so long ago that this has happened, but we still use that all the time. We know that there's going to be drought. Let, let's let's build up what we need. I mean, even in households, something's bad about to happen, or like for us, I don't get paid during the summer. Let's stock up <laughs> during the year, so during the summer they'll they'll be extra. It's just the normal things, but it was something that. Uh, was spiritually given to him, and, and it's it's really important. And we can't compartmentalize and make it like, well, this is a worldly thing, you know, because we, especially in the church, talking about money gets really taboo, right? And there's something very, we think of money as being very worldly, and, and people misquote all the time, and they say the love of, uh, they, they say that money is the root of all evil, but it's actually the love of money that's the root of all evil. And so we, money in and of itself is a tool that God can mm, use, um, that we Absolutely. can use for kingdom purposes. It's just that we should not um, idolize money. We shouldn't pursue it with a love that goes above our love for God, of course. So we have to be more discerning about who we allow to be in charge of finances, in charge of resources, stewarding the processes, and, and realize that this is actually a spiritual gift. That we need men and women who are anointed by God to do these tasks um, to, in order to bring order and to bring um, success to what God is trying to do through the body of Christ. And not just somebody who's good at math? That helps too. <laughs> Even imaginary numbers. Even imaginary numbers. But it's... Well, you know, there is such a thing as an adding machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And a computer. We have calculators. Yeah. Uh, it all for you. Yeah, the, the, other, the other example I wanted to look at was actually... Jethro, which was uh, Moses's father-in-law. That was like one of the best advice. Yeah. Yep. So Exodus chapter eighteen. So the the story is that Moses would come and see them in the judgment seat, and people would come day and night. They would come and tell their problems, and he had to decide. He was there to give them God's will. And I love verse seventeen. Moses' father-in-law replied because Moses just told him what he was actually doing. What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You, (laughs) I love how he gives that one. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their dispute to him. Teach them teach them to the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable, and I love this, even in this, we talk about servants and separating the gifts, right? He's like, your gift, you can actually go and talk to God. God. Nobody else can do it in this camp. Nobody can go to God and God tells them, like, that's your job. You have a unique gift. But teach them, but, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as official over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for people at, at all time, but have them bring very di- every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, 
you will be able to stand the, stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So these people were served as judges for the people of all times, the difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Man, that sounds like something familiar that we still do today. It's how, how awesome that in Exodus, our judicial system was established. Like that, that's amazing. Absolutely. So again, first of all, wisdom of administration. He saw the problem. This is how we can fix it. Here's step one, two, three. Why? Because you have a role. They have a role. More people are going to be able to be served. There's going to be a positive thing. And of course, and I love it says, he says, if God, if you do this and God so commands it again, he's like, don't take my word for it. Still go to God on this decision. You know, and same thing with uh, uh, Joseph. It was like God's spirit was upon him. That was wisdom from God. Again, not taking away anything that we're so special. It's because of God's gift that all this is happening. Because of this administrative gift that Jethro was able to speak. Joseph was able to speak and make these things. And that's why we so need. Because, again, leaders... Leaders are the ones with visions, right? They have all these fun visions and they're like, oh, let's do this outreach. But administrators and, are the ones who figure out how to make that happen. And the servants come <laughs> and in. And <laughs> they also have the ability to say no. no. <laughs> and that's very important for the body of Christ to be able to say no. You see here with Jethro, he's, he's basically like, the way you're doing this, no. What it, it, just like with Joseph that saved many lives, you know, Jethro's, you know, um, an organizational advice um, prevented from severe burnout, right? And mm-hmm. we see so much burnout in the church because we need men and women of God with the gift of administration, with organizational skills to be able to break down and say, you know, every, the pastor, the worship team, the elders, the deacons, everybody has their role and everyone has their, but there's got to be boundaries. You can't do everything. You shouldn't be involved in five or six ministries. Mm-hmm. It's too much for one person. You should have one or two things that you're committed to and that's it. And we need people who have that administrative gift to bring order to the body of Christ to prevent us from, because we, even though we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're also human beings of flesh and bone and we have limitations mm-hmm. and we burn out. Mm-hmm. And people who have the gift of organizational skills through, with administrative gifts um, can help prevent that crisis from continuing within the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So... Those are the three gifts that we really wanted to cover. And I think, uh, first of all, they, they, they work together. Just like Trish said, like the leaders, they have this leadership. Administration figures out how to do it and the servants come in and, and support, s- support mm-hmm. it and do it. So that way the leaders can cast the net out. They can evangelize. They can meet and administration. And again, all those things are, are, again, we need to walk in the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, and kindness, and self-control, and, and being faithful, and, you know, and um, being humble, and show grace and mercy through all those things, because otherwise, then we become big-headed, and keep thinking that we're doing this, but no, it's by God's grace. We're just one Absolutely member of God's the God's grace. Absolutely. We're one member of the body, and, you know, heart even the the great heart in our body is not going to beat if all the veins are not moving and oxygen and all, all that other good stuff if the rib cage is not protecting it it's yeah. and that's how we should be as one body and then so it's pretty straightforward stuff
Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at fourchurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.